0: Good evening, Altoona Regular Baptist Church, and welcome. It's Sunday, May 3rd, and this is our evening service. A few weeks ago, we had the privilege during an evening service to review our recent sermon series through the book of Galatians, and I hope that was an encouragement to you. I was surprised how encouraging I was as as we reviewed those truths in which we had lived for several months, for several weeks, as we studied the book of Galatians, as we went back and we reviewed them, Such an encouragement to me, simply remembering, simply reflecting on them. This evening, once again, we have the privilege to review a recent sermon series. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to join me this evening in the book of Esther. Esther. I love the book of Esther. It's one of my my favorite books in the Bible. I love seeing God work in the book of Esther. And I hope, even this evening, it will be an encouragement to you as you follow along in the word of God, as we look to the book of Esther. Let's open it with a word of prayer. Father, we praise you. We praise you that as we saw this morning, that you're a God who loves us, and the God who sent your Son to die for us. This evening as we look to Esther, we praise you for you are a God, not just of love, but you're a sovereign God. You're a provident God. You're a God who's in complete control. And may we be encouraged this evening as we look to the book of Esther, as we do a quick overview and we see our sovereign God. May you be honored in all that we do in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes the Bible can feel very distant what I mean by that is simply this. The Bible was written in times and places that are much different than where we live now. And sometimes it can be very difficult to identify with, with the stories that we read. There are times as I read the Psalms and the, and the emotion of the psalmist that, that I can identify. I'm right there with him. I have those feelings. And yet, there are times as I read of God parting seas, winning battles, and, and speaking to his people in mighty ways through prophets that I just I, I can't identify with. I read of Sad, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and the fiery furnace and the miracle that God did there of, of Daniel in the di- lion's den. As he's sitting there in the midst of these hungry, ferocious beasts and God closes their mouths. There's a part of me that that longs to see God work in a miraculous way. There are times when I long for for something tangible, maybe a a miracle. Or a powerful word from a prophet to come and to give me some, some guidance. In the fog of life, a dream or a vision or or something to give me guidance. There are days where I long to come face to face with the power of God to reassure my faith. But the reality is that God's faithfulness is not dependent on how I feel. You see, circumstances may have changed. But God has not changed. He is unchanging. The same God who spoke through the prophets now speaks just as authoritatively and just as powerfully to us through his word that he has given us. The God of the Old Testament is the same God that we serve today. And as we come to the book of Esther, one of the things that I love about this book is just how normal it feels. You see, God works, and He does some amazing things in this book, but He works silently. It works behind the scenes. God doesn't send a prophet to warn Esther and Mordecai. There's no miraculous works in the book of Esther that, that grab your attention. In fact, I would contend this morning, this evening, that, that Esther and Mordecai were mostly unaware of what God was doing behind the scenes. They were just doing what they needed to do in the moment. The book of Esther is a picture of normal life under the protective, providential, invisible hand of a good God. Esther is the only book in the Bible which God is not mentioned one time, and yet there is perhaps no book in the entire Bible that so displays the providence of God. In fact, it is the startling, the startling absence of God that so powerfully highlights His presence, His work. So as we jump into the book of Esther this evening, may we be encouraged. May we we be reminded that God is still in control. Despite what it looks like, despite how we feel, God is still in control. We're going to start by reading perhaps the central verse of Esther. The verse that kind of summarizes the entire book. It's found in Esther 4. Mordecai comes and he speaks to Esther. Verse 13 says, And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Mordecai's words there to to Esther summarize the, the story of the whole book. In fact, just the phrase, for such a time as this. You see, Esther was there for such a time as this. Mordecai was where he was for such a time of this because God had placed them there. Long before any need had arisen, God rose them up and put them in position. God was in control. We see that as we look at the first chapter. Even before we get to the first chapter, the, the historical setting of the book. See, Esther is a post-exilic book. The exile has ended. And yet there are three major exile returns. There's three stages of the return. The first is led by Zerubbabel and it happens in 537 BC. The next two phases in the return from exile happen in 558 BC under Ezra and in 445 under Nehemiah. The book of Esther happens, takes place right in the middle of that. It takes place between 483 to 471 BC. In the capital of the Persian Empire, Susa. Under the the reign of Ahasuerus Ahasuerus I. At the height of Persian power. As we come to the beginning of, of Esther... Persia is the most powerful kingdom in the entire world. And the I is the most powerful man. And yet what we see in chapter 1 is that this powerful man is not very powerful after all. In chapter 1, Ahasuerus throws a party. History tells us that the purpose of this party was to gain support as he's going to war. And so he puts his power and he puts his wealth on display and he, 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 he makes a prideful, foolish, and demeaning request of his queen. See, the outcome of that in chapter 1 is Vashti, his queen, refuses him. Enraged and embarrassed. The most powerful man on earth. Whose wife. Has just stood up to him in front of all of his generals. As Ereus throws a fit. And he has his queen deposed. This opening. A place for Esther. See even in chapter 1 we see God at work. We see God at work. Through Ahasuerus' pride, even. Through the fit that he throws, even in that, God uses it for his glory. To begin to move pieces into place, so that years and years down the road, come Esther 4, God's plan has already begun. Chapter one, the place is, is opened up for Esther. If you come to chapter two, three years have passed. Hajawaris has gone off to war, he's lost. He's now returned, defeated and embarrassed, and he's returned now without a queen. Depressed, those around him come up with a plan. We'll come up with a, a competition. A pageant. To replace the queen. This will take his attention. So we go through with it. We come to the end of chapter 2. By God's leading and God's placement. Esther. The most unlikely of characters. Becomes queen of the most powerful nation in the world. So you come to the end of chapter 2, there's a few verses. Verses 19 to 23. They can be easy to overlook, but but they are the linchpin of the entire book. Because Mordecai overhears a plot to assassinate the king. God had Mordecai in the right place at the right time to hear that. And Mordecai saves the king's life. And the king forgets to reward him. Even in that, as we'll see, God is at work for his good, for, for Mordecai's good and the good of his people. Nesters 3-4, to four. we see the rising action between Esther two and three approximately four more years have gone by things have changed now we're introduced to a new character Haman he's second only to Ahasuerus in Persia the king has given this command that everyone would bow to him but Mordecai refuses We don't know why Mordecai refuses. All we know is that he refuses. And this decision then leads to the problem that we see here in the book of Esther. Haman is enraged and he seeks to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate not just Mordecai and his family but his people, the Jews. Haman... In chapter four takes his in chapter three, Haman takes his desire to destroy this people to the king. You would expect the king to protect his people, to say no. Instead he foolishly gives his signet ring to Haman and says, do whatever you will. Esther 4, Mordecai realizing what happens, what has happened, mourns. I believe in these first several verses of Esther 4, we see a change happening in Mordecai. As he starts turning to God. His attention is shifting from himself to God. He realizes he's in a predicament and he needs God. He mourns. Chapter 4, they come up with a plan. As Esther is going to go before the king to plead for her people. In Esther's 5 to 7, we have the climax of the book. You know the story. Esther takes her request to the king. He hears her. And so she she asks, can I have a banquet for you and Haman? Haman and the king come to this banquet that Esther has prepared. It's interesting. In Esther 5, the faith of Esther. As she comes to the king, we see that she doesn't come in rags. But she has faith, and her faith is taking action. She gets dressed. She gets ready. She prepares a feast. She doesn't know she'll ever get to eat the feast, but she prepares it. Because she believes that God's going to work. So they eat this feast, and then Haman leaves. And as Haman is leaving, he sees Mordecai. And Mordecai doesn't fear Haman. He's not shaking with fear, even though Haman knows he knows about his plot. I think there in Mordecai, we also see faith. We see that Mordecai knows that God's at work. Mordecai is starting to realize, as we saw in chapter 4, when he started by by mourning, then he made this plan going to Esther. Now he shows boldness in the face of his enemy because he knows his God is at work. Haman, enraged, goes and builds gallows and and plans to move up the execution of Mordecai. However, there's a surprise in chapter 6. The next day, Haman goes early to the king to get permission to, to carry out his plan early. And yet even in that, God is at work. Because that night, the king could not sleep. That night, the king had the book of remembrance read to him. And in that book, he remembered when Mordecai saved his life and was not rewarded. He decides to reward him. And so instead of getting permission to kill Mordecai, Haman ends up parading Mordecai through the city. Chapter 7 Esther's second feast comes. And at this feast with the king and Esther and Haman, Esther reveals her identity as a Jew and the threat to her and her people that Haman is. You know the story, the king enraged has Haman hanged on the very gallows that he's prepared for Mordecai. You go to Esther 8-9, we have the falling action. See, the problem is not fixed. The danger still persists because Haman's order was signed with the king's signet ring. This means that it cannot be revoked. So unless something happens, the Jews are still going to be killed. Esther and Mordecai come before the king and they plead their case. He gives them their signet ring. And he says, you do something. So Esther and Mordecai send out a new edict that the Jews can defend themselves. And when the day comes, they do. And the Jews are saved. And they set up this new feast, Purim, a time to remember. Year in, every single year, to remember what God has done in delivering them. In the conclusion of the book of Esther, in in chapter 10, there's three simple verses. And we see how God has blessed not just his people, but the kingdom of Persia. In conclusion, I simply want to rehearse the providence of God. We see the providence of God as Vashti is disposed. We see the providence of God as as Esther is chosen for this competition. The providence of God as Esther wins the king's heart. The providence of God years before she was ever needed, God put her in position. We see the providence of God in having Mordecai in the right place at the right time. We see the providence of God in the king forgetting to reward Mordecai. Have you ever considered that something like, like not getting a reward that you deserve could be in the providence of God? In the providence of God. Esther prepares herself and goes before the king who agrees to hear her. And the providence of God. Haman's plan. Moving his plan up. To kill Mordecai earlier. Is thwarted. Because the king can't sleep. Because the king is reminded. By chance. And the providence of God. The providence of God the next morning, instead of killing Mordecai, Haman ends up parading Mordecai through the city. And the providence of God, Esther, at her feast, as she brings news of her identity as a Jew, does not enrage the king that she's been lying to him. And the providence of God, as Esther brings the problem of Haman's edict, and his plan to wipe out the Jews, the king is not overcome with anger by Esther's veiled accusation because the king has approved this. Instead, he hears her. Instead, his anger is pointed at Haman. the providence and the justice of God, Haman is punished. In the providence of God, the king once more hears Esther and gives her his signet ring, allowing the Jews to defend themselves. In the providence of God, the Jews prevail. In the providence of God, under the leadership of Mordecai, who's been promoted. The Jews thrive. And so does Persia. The hero of Esther is not Mordecai. The hero of Esther is not Esther. The hero of of Esther is God. Who is in complete control the entire time. The encouragement for us today is that the great God of Esther is the same great God that we serve today. And the great God of Esther who was provident over every little minuscule step is still provident today. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged and emboldened that your God is at work in both big developments and in little details. Not one of them escapes him. All throughout the book of Esther, we see God at work, silently, providentially working behind the scenes for the good of his people and his glory. See, the book of Esther is an important book. Because God had made promises to his people. He's a faithful God. And so often we we focus on his faithfulness and we praise him for his faithfulness and yet we, we overlook his providence. If God was not provident, God could not be faithful. God couldn't guarantee that he would keep a promise if he wasn't in control. Because God is provident. God is faithful. Just as we see in Esther, so today the silent providence of God is working for your good and God's glory. You can be sure that any promise that God has given you in his word will come to pass because God is provident you can be sure that coronavirus is not outside the providence of God but that even in this he is working for our good and his glory. Brothers and sisters, I would encourage you as we do a quick flyover of the book of Esther, I would encourage you go back as a family and read it. But I would encourage you this evening, trust God. You may not see what he's doing. You don't see the big picture. We see little parts of it. But when you back up and look, you could see the amazing providence of God. We are able to look at Esther and see the amazing work of God because we're looking back on it. In the midst of it, In the middle of Esther chapter 4, Esther and Mordecai didn't know what God was doing. They didn't know how the story would end. But they knew God was in control. Brothers and sisters, this evening, we don't know how the story will end. We don't know what God is doing. We can't see the big picture. But this we know. That our God is good. And our God is in control. Praise the Lord for his silent providence working behind the scenes. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we praise you this evening. We praise you that you are a provident God. We praise you that you are a faithful God. That all the promises you have given us will come to pass. Not because we deserve it. Not because of anything in us, but because of who you are. Give us faith to trust you, Father. Even when we don't see what you're doing. Give us faith to rest in you. To glory in you. So that one day we can look back and we can rejoice in all that our God has done. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.